0: there are a lot of people out there that really struggle through the holidays and with good reason. The hard part about struggling during the holidays is the immense pressure that's put on us to be happy. I mean, how can one be sad or discouraged in the midst of something everyone is calling Merry Christmas? It's hard to be anxious or depressed while something everyone calls Happy Holidays is going on all around you, everywhere you look. Which is exactly why Joe Mojo McCarthy Kristen Brown and I made this episode. So if you struggle or know of someone who struggles over the holidays, this episode of Modern Day Alchemists was recorded with you in mind. I'm calling it Uncle (laughs) Aeoli, and
1: you will see why later. It is the Modern Day Alchemists, and as Stevo and Kristen and I were sharing just before we went live, this is... Something we look forward to with great anticipation and joy that we get to hang out together. And anybody who joins in, we hope that you pick up on how much fun we are having here. Um, The Modern Day Alchemist started a little over a year ago or so. And uh, it's been going here and there as we can. But it's been pretty consistent the last few weeks. And we are now on episode 29, which uh, I just got to say, way to go. Way to go, us. 29 episodes. (laughs) And uh, this all started... Yeah, this all started because we were talking about how in the uh, the book, The Alchemist by Paolo Coelho, this uh, little shepherd boy goes on a grand adventure seeking love and seeking his purpose. Uh, and as with all great hero stories, he ends up back home and finds that the treasure that he sought all along was right there in the center mm-hmm. of his town, which represents the center of his heart. And so it's our intention, Steve-O and Kristen and I, to talk about uh, actual Issues that we face in life that we face. Uh, we're, I just want to make sure that everybody is clear that we are not the fountain of all knowledge and wisdom here. We are uh, three human beings having a human experience, even though we are spiritual beings, and we are uh, trying our best, right, to understand what is the, what are the dynamics that are going on here, and what control do we have? What response can we have that will actually increase uh, the joy, the happiness, the fulfillment, the purpose? of our being. And, and here we are in the holidays, which we'll talk about at length today, where I think a lot of our expectations for life get exaggerated, and then the the, the realities of life uh, make for even bigger disappointments. So we've talked a little, a little bit about that already. But uh, before we get into today's topic, I'd love uh, for Kristen and Steve to introduce themselves to anybody who's not met you yet. We'll start with uh, the lovely, the talented Kristen Brown. Oh. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I thought you
2: were I talking to steve Oh, it, it could be. Sure one awesome <laughs> haircut. I'm Kristen Brown. I am a spiritual and empowerment author, coach, and mentor.
0: Ooh, and look at that. that nice. And I, don't forget, uh, Joe, it's your turn to oh, say. God.
2: Kristen Brown, pull out your book. <laughs> Brag about it. <laughs> there you go, y'all. The recovering yeah. people. Wait. Covering people, please are if you're interested, you can find it on Amazon.
1: She is, and won't tell you this unless I make her say it, she's an international number one best selling author on Amazon in and two hours. hours. In two hours. No, in right? two hours. Two. Two. two in just two is two, better than one. is uh, <laughs> better than two. There mm, you go. All right. Welcome to the math show with Kristen and Steele. <laughs> you know there's only three types of people in this world those that know math and those that don't. That's right. And we know which one you are, (laughs) Steve-O. All right, Steve Hayes, introduce yourself, please, to the audience who has not met you yet.
0: My name is Steve Hayes, and I'm a happypreneur. And I'm here to navigate, activate, and
1: advocate your happy life. Right on. Well, that's a great segue into what we're talking about here. Um, And Steve-O and Chris and I talk often offline when we're not uh, doing this broadcast about you know what the dynamics of our families and and the holidays, and the things that we're hearing from our friends and family about uh, what are the the pain points and the pressure points of the holidays and so uh, it was funny because I was putting together the title for today the wordsmith in me you know starts going and instead of season greetings it came up season, seasons greetings, which uh, I think that's very appropriate at times, and how to handle the red, white and blahs. you know uh, Elvis had this famous song A blue christmas and As much as most people don't want to talk about it, the truth is there's a whole lot of people that find Christmas not to be red, white, and green, but rather blue. And I think it's really important that Steve-O and Kristen and I today talk specifically about, and two, the people who are feeling like almost ashamed and uh, silent about what they're going through because they feel like, hey, if this is the most wonderful time of the year, Why am I feeling like it's the least wonderful time of the year? And that's the reality for a lot of people. So just to throw it out there, first of all, statistically, we know from the mental health uh, world that this is one of the most difficult times of the year, I think, because as we've talked about, the expectations are high. The realities uh, don't live up to those expectations. And so that disconnect leaves people feeling kind of blah. Or I've even heard some of my friends even this season say, I just don't have it. I don't feel that. The oomph, I don't have what it takes, you know, to, all the stuff that's required of me for the holidays. So uh, let's jump right in, either steve or Kristen. When you start thinking about the people that you know or even yourself when you face the holidays and you realize that everybody seems to be happy, happy, joy, joy all around, the songs and the, the trimmings and all the decorations and everything like that and the commercials, and and the more you hear those things, the more it just makes you feel less happy about the holidays. Why is that? And how do we, how do we address that? Anybody I, want to jump in here? I'd like to say
0: first before uh, Chris, Kristen does her her wisdom, but I think the first thing we need to do is before we even get going any further, I want to tag on what Joe said there. And don't feel guilty for the way you feel. That's It's the way you feel. And we, the reason why we're doing this live cast today, and we're going to be posting it on a podcast, the whole deal is because we know that there's a lot of people that struggle during the holidays. There's nothing wrong with that. It is what it is, even though Joe hates it when we use typical. Um, you know, he doesn't like it when I say it is what it is. But it is what it is. And I would just say really quick, don't feel bad for feeling bad. It happens. And holidays, they tend to magnify things. And they can be difficult for a lot of people. And it's okay if the holidays are a humbug for you. It just is. Don't feel guilty about that.
2: I'm going to piggyback on that. Yes. Because that's the reason why I think I came up with this topic. I think I put that in the group. I was like, you know, so many people are struggling right now and it makes me tear the compassionate person inside of me, the empathetic person just tears up saying that because it's supposed to be this most joyous time of the year. And for some people it's, there's bad memories associated with it. There is some really traumatic things that happened around the holidays for people, like it's not always this joyful thing. In fact, I was reading a newsletter from somebody that I follow recently, and he was talking about Thanksgiving, and he said that he had a traumatic Thanksgiving at some point in his life, and he goes, he can't even look at a roasted turkey. Like that's a trigger for him. Roasted turkey is is a problem for him, and that's okay. So I wanted to, my intention with this was to appeal to people who were not out there just saying, you know, go have a great time, go shop, go do this, go do that. Just, you know, no, this is about the way you're feeling. And the first thing that Steve-O said is to honor those feelings. You are allowed to feel the way you feel. It's just a feeling. It's just an emotion. And no matter where it comes from, no matter where it stems from, it doesn't matter. There's no rule book, no law book that says that you need to be joyful right now because it's the holidays.
1: Right. Yeah, it's very good. You know, the, this is the the word "should" comes to mind here because there's this overarching narrative that's happening all around us that you should be happy, you should have a happy home, you know, you should be able to get the gifts that you think your kids want, you should receive the things that you want, and um, the word "should" to me, as you both know, has almost become like a profanity because "should" comes with so much judgment. It might be judgment that we're putting upon ourselves about what we should be able to do, how we should feel, what our family should be like. Right? Yes. Where does that come from? That's it's all judgments that we are we are receiving and accepting. And this is all choices, right? This is why I'm bringing this up. Is that when I hear the word "should," now that gets my attention because well, one for one thing, who says we should? Do or be anything, right? Who who who's saying Who's that? the authority? <laughs> right. Who's the authority here? That's that's actually a perfect question, Kristen, because ultimately we have to be the own our own authority mm-hmm. as to what should or shouldn't happen. In fact, 100%. I'm kinda of eliminating should from my vocabulary because to me should is actually kind of a weak word anyway. It comes with judgments, so it fills me with, you know, this comparison thing, well, life isn't the way it should be, and so therefore I'm gonna feel crappy about that. Well, that's that's, that's, that's not helping, right? Comparison is the thief of joy. So what do I do instead? I, I think that if I can't put the word must in where the word should comes up, so it's something that I must do. I must because I really want to, and this is something that's really important to me. Well, then then I, then I should don't have to should, right? I don't need that should on me. I don't want should to should on anybody else for that matter because it's just messy and sticky, right? So I'm trying to do my best, and I would encourage those who are listening in, and the word should comes up. Realize that, what does, who who says who who's who's given you the shoulds, right? And you don't have to receive them. You are the authority on what must happen in your life or must not. And to quote the the brilliant uh,
0: philosopher uh, Joe Mojo McCarthy, uh, <laughs> "Don't shit on me, and I won't shit on you." You know, and uh, we should be spelling it s s h u d because then it would be a four letter word. But well said, Joe. <laughs>
2: I want to add that you could use the word could. Yeah. They did a whole podcast on this. Um, stop shooting on yourself. <laughs> right. Yeah. And yeah. Um, the word could, because a lot of times people are like, oh, I should have done this. I'm like, well, you could have. It doesn't mean that you have to. Right. So, yeah, there's, I, I don't want to go off on the should thing for 20 minutes, but basically, <laughs> right. there's no authority telling you how you're supposed to feel. And I think that's one of the things that people deal with is that they do have expectations of them during the holidays. People saying that it has to be like this, or this is our tradition or your grandma's going to be here or whatever it might be. You know, there's, there's people pushing and pulling, uh, you know, in in many different directions. And a lot of times people don't like the holidays because of what it is going to require from them. And I want to encourage people to, to be your own authority, to decide what works for you, be, very resolute and honest with yourself about your yeses and your noes. It's okay to not do things, it's okay to say no, it's okay to back down. Yes, I understand you might piss someone off or make someone mad, but here at the end of the day, do you do you want to self-abandon? Do you want to continue to hurt yourself because you'll notice that when you start to really return back to self and give yourself permission to do you and to do it your way, that you're going that I'm I'm guessing that the holidays are going to bring up a different energy for you <clears throat> at that point and forward because it's going to be more about what works for you, what you like, what you enjoy, rather than you having to follow the dictates of everybody else because there's all these rules now because it's Christmas Eve, I got to go to six families. You know, sometimes people have that situation.
0: 100%. Um, so that was a powerful two words you put together, powerful word, but you said self abandon. Uh, Could you talk about that really quick? I mean, that's, that's some pretty potent words to put together. We, so when we give into other people's expectations, are you saying that we actually abandon ourselves when we, when we try to please them?
2: hundred percent. Yep. That's what we do because so many times we, we do feel like we should, and we do feel like, well, it is Christmas. So all of a sudden it has a different set of rules around it, or, well, it's my dad or, you know, whatever it is. And, And there are things that we just really don't want to do or uncomfortable to us. Some people just simply don't like the holidays because they don't like being social or there's certain family members they're going to run into that maybe they had a bad experience in their past or they may not like where they're at in life right now. I've known people that were... Actually, I'm going to just tell you this. When I was going through my tsunami, the very first Christmas after that, when I was just like not in a good place, we have these massive Christmas Eves. And I stood out there you know, and I'm trying to be in the thing. And I just, it it felt so bad to be there that I retreated to my bedroom and watched Dateline for the rest of the night. And I gave myself excuse me, permission to do that because I, I couldn't, I didn't like the way it felt at that moment. It was too much for me. So I had to honor me. If I would have forced myself to stay out there, I would be abandoning the most important person in my life, which is me.
1: Mm, Yeah. So good. Now, you know, Both some of my family and friends have lost a loved one, a mother, a father, Mm. uh, someone's dear to them, a grandparent, right around the holidays. And so as they approach Christmas or New Year's or whatever they're going to celebrate, it comes with this, the grief. The grief comes back because they lost their loved one right in the middle of what's supposed to be the happiest, most wonderful time of the year. And so I'd love for us to talk a few minutes both from our own perspective and um, what we've learned along the way about how do we how do we live with the grief that is natural when you lose someone that you love, and I love this definition of grief that I heard once, and it's grief is love with no place to go. Wow! Right, you've been attached to someone for so long, Say and now they're again, gone. Joe. Yeah, grief. Grief is just love, but it doesn't have any place to go, wow. and so people come back around to. A Christmas holiday season, whether it's Thanksgiving or Christmas or New Year's, and all they can think about or the first thing they think about or the strongest feeling they feel is how they miss someone who can't be there now because they've passed on and that grief comes up and and as we've talked about already, uh, oftentimes... I feel, you know, that others want to suppress that or deny it or act like it's okay because they don't want to ruin anybody else's holiday or they don't want to feel it themselves. So let's just talk a little bit for a few minutes about how do we navigate the holidays, the happy, happy holidays, when there is the realities that we've lost people that we've loved that we can't be with uh, this time around.
2: Well, I have a lot. See, I, I have a different take on death. I've had a lot of deaths in my life, so I, I don't, I, I do feel like there is some place for the love to go. And I, when somebody has passed in my life, that doesn't mean I can't express that love for that person. I still Mm -hmm. can because love is really just energy, right? It's energy. It doesn't have to be to a particular physical object. That's here in the realm. And I can express my love to that person because I do believe their energy is still with me. Mm -hmm. So one of the ways that I, have navigated those losses, especially when it was that my mother passed away and she was the one that hosted these massive Christmas Eves, right? With all the things. And it was just I basically still have her with me in the new tradition, whatever that is. Because I know that my mom would blend and to do whatever. So it's that's a hard one for me because I know a lot of people have a lot of things wrapped up to that. But I do believe that. It's what we're, the story we're telling about it that matters the most. And the story that I tell myself is that, and I do believe, is that those family members are still with me and death is inevitable and they're still with me and I can still carry the joy and love of my heart, of them in my heart. And I will be honest with you, I include them in things Like, you know, mom, are you seeing this right now? You know, I, in my head, I'm like, do you you see this? Because, you know, in in a good way, because I don't feel like she's gone. I feel like she's just changed forms.
0: Well, I think what that, to me, what that line is saying, grief is, uh, it's love with nowhere to go. I think what I hear when I hear that is, is that I don't know what to do with this love that I have, that I normally gave to grandma, grandpa, my child. Um, what do I do with that love? And you know, oftentimes when our kids, when you get your kid a pet, and their pet, or it's a family pet that's been with you for a long time, and it goes, or it's on on the edge of of retiring, you know, it's on the edge of dying. What do you do? Well, you go find another pet. And you know why? You find another dog, another parrot, another whatever. Because now we have all that love that we're giving to that, that dog. Now we don't know what to do with it. So now the kid has a, even though they still love their old their old cat, now there's a new cat for them to, to love on. And so my whole take on that is grief is simply love with no place to go. When we grieve, we don't know what to do with that love. Well, what was that person you're grieving? What were they into? Then go after people that represent that category and love on them in the mm-hmm. name of, the person that you're grieving the person that you that you miss love take that love that you had for them because that's what they would want right when right. i pass um yeah yeah it'd be nice if my my book i expect my family to mourn me right but even better in, in mourning me to love somebody else like me that would make me sit up from heaven just go you know way to go and i think honestly if we want to honor those that have gone before us so it's, it's, oh, number one it's okay to feel their pain but secondly Take that that grief, that love with nowhere to go, and find some place to put it. Find someone else, some other thing, to to put that that love into.
2: Mm-hmm. Channel the energy somewhere else. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So my my uh, my great aunt Shirley, she lived to be a hundred and four years old, and uh, she was one of the most delightful people I've ever met. Did she act her age? well funny you'd ask uh, when she turned 100 her pastor who's like a third of her age came to her house and said really what's it like to be 100 what's what's the best thing about being 100 years old and my my aunt Shirley who's super sharp she goes no peer pressure
2: (laughs) that is sharp (laughs) seriously that's a fast fast thinking brain right there for wow
1: yeah and everybody who ever met my aunt Shirley uh, was in love with her because she was just full of love. She just loved everybody. She was a teacher for 30 something years and had people coming from all over the the country to pay their respects when she passed away, but she passed away in the holidays between Thanksgiving and Christmas. And it's the dead of winter in Montana. It's cold. It's, it's bitter, which kind of felt like appropriate to have to say goodbye to someone you love and you don't want the weather to be happy when you're feeling crappy. Right. And so we, we paid our respects, but I could see in my own family the question in their head, in their mind, and some of them actually vocalized it. How are we going to celebrate Christmas now that Aunt Shirley's gone? And what I thought and what what's really been helpful to me is say, what would Aunt Shirley want? She would want us to have the best Christmas ever. Right. The last thing Shirley would ever want is somehow her passing away took the joy out of our Christmas because she was always the one that would, she'd put the soap on the rope in my stocking. Right. And I didn't need soap on a rope, but I knew my aunt Shirley was thinking about me and that she loved me. And there's just something really wonderful about that. And so my, uh, my wife who knew that was part of the tradition, she found an old soap on a rope that i had gotten from my aunt Shirley at some point and stuck it in my stocking. So on Christmas day, Shirley's no longer there, but I pull the soap out of the rope. And of course I'm filled with joy and start to tear up because the, the presence, the spirit of my aunt Shirley is there, but all of that just to remind people that the people that you love that passed away, they don't want you to stop living, and they don't want they don't want their passing to make your life miserable. Yeah. What do they want for you? They want you to live the best life you can. That's that's why you love them and they loved you in the first place. So the best way to honor those that aren't there is to live the life that they would want you to live. To- Enjoy the holidays the way they would want you to enjoy them, even though they're not there in your presence. And as Kristen said, maybe they are. Maybe we just can't see their bodies, but maybe their spirit, their energy, their their presence, and at least their memory is there with you. So, so it, um, I think it's a great way to reframe the holidays when you're missing somebody who's, who can't be there with you, is that what would they want for you if they were right there in the room, right? And, that's and instead way. of ignoring that, um,
0: you know, go right at that do a donation in their name of something that would be important to them or give a gift in honor of them. You you wouldn't even have to put their name on it. You could just give a gift because you know that that person that you love, that is no longer there. Um, they were into this, this particular genre set of people, whatever. Um, or if you don't have even have the money to do that, then give a gift of your time, give a gift of your energy, give a gift of your love, but do it and say, I'm going to, I don't feel like it today but in honor of, of aunt Tilly, what was her name? Aunt Shirley, Shirley. Ronald, yeah. aunt Shirley I'm going to go and I'm going to love somebody today, or I'm going to do a random act of kindness. I'm going to do a, an invisible anonymous uh, kind thing for somebody. And I, then you're still
1: including them in your current Christmas. Yeah, that's very good. All right. All right. Let's move on to um, this idea of people feeling very alone at Christmas. So not just being isolated and that's one group, but there are people who, in the crowd, in the family, in the groups, feel very alone, right? Very isolated, even with people around them. And I think this is a really important thing for us to address: is that Christmas, for whatever reason, the Christmas season uh, can bring out the the people can bring out the feelings inside of people that I'm I'm with people, I'm surrounded by people, but I'm I'm miserable, I'm alone, nobody. Either nobody understands me, nobody gets me, or I can't really express who I really am because I don't want to dampen the joy of somebody else. And I've seen it so much in the last couple of weeks, maybe because I knew we were going to have this talk of people who will kind of poke their head up on a social media post or something and say, man, I I just feel so alone. I I feel so um, isolated. And it's not that they don't have people around them, but it's just they don't have the connections. Maybe they don't feel seen. Maybe they don't feel worth, worth, what's worthful. I was not sort of worthless. I don't feel worthful. (laughs) That's not even a word, but I understand what I'm talking about. So what comes to mind to you guys when, when you come across people or when you're feeling that yourself that, Hey, I'm surrounded by people, but I don't feel connected to any of them. I feel very isolated and alone, even in the midst of all the, all the holiday uh, hoopla.
2: What comes to, to mind for me is a little bit of a tough love moment. And A lot of times when people are feeling really, because here's the thing, you guys, let me just start here. We can be alone and feel like we have all the company in the world, or we can be in a room full of people and feel like we are isolated.
0: Say that again, Kristen. That's That's
1: so good. Yeah. Really good.
2: We can be alone and feel like we have the best company in the world, or we can be in a room full of people and feel like we are isolated. And what it boils down to is what we're doing to ourselves. It's what we're what we're thinking, what we are believing, what are the actions that we are doing. So, for someone who's in a room full of people, and I've seen this so many times, they're like, you know, no one talks to me, no one this. and I say, well, do you go talk to people? Hmm. Well, no. I'm like, okay, but well, nobody says this. No, well, but do you go do that? A long time ago in my twenties, I remember reading this, and so and it was it was about <clears throat> relationships and about sex, and someone said. Oh, my partner's um boring, and then they said, well, but what what are you doing to make it not boring right So this is just I know it's a weird thing to bring in the middle of the Christmas conversation, but it's the truth of what I of some article I was reading in my twenties, and it was like, if you think it's boring, then you need to be the one to make it not boring because you're the one who's thinking that so if you're feeling isolated and alone, how about go and be the company for somebody else? How about go to I mean, I remember sitting with like sometimes the older folks at a gathering, they're just kind of sitting there by themselves and all the young ones are flitting about and doing all things. And they're just kind of sitting there. Have you ever walked up and just sat with that elderly Mm. person? You're feeling, go talk to them, go give them company and love. I've done that in several occasions and several things. And it'll end up being the best quality conversation and so one-on-one that the whole function was happening around me, but I walked away feeling so fulfilled. Mm. So I would say whatever it is that you think you're missing, how about go give it? If you're missing support, go give support. If you're missing love, go give love. If you're missing attention, go give attention. Go, go be that thing that you think you're missing.
0: Well, because, you know, we, we tend to think that the hardest part is we think we're alone. We think we're the only one struggling with this thing. And truth is, if we can get inside everybody's head, we'd probably realize that we're not the only one that feels alone. And even sometimes, and I know this from my own life, right. But sometimes the loudest person in the room is loud because they're feeling alone. And I like it. Be the change you want to be. I mean, you, you, you harvest what you plant, you know, you reap what you sow. So if you want friendliness, then go be friendly and if boring. Maybe you're the person that's boring. Right. And, um, I like that, Kristen, that that's really good. That's really good. It is some tough love there, um, but it, I still think it's very true. And I think it needs to be heard. And that's what true love does. What would you say to either of you guys, but what would you say to someone who is like, I mean, they are a scale of one to 10, they're in negative five. You know, they are just, they are really beat up. They are really wounded and they might listen to what you had to say and say, I just don't have it in me to do that. What would you say to encourage us in that situation to go ahead and go for that?
2: I don't have it in me to do what?
0: To go, you to know, be friendly. I know I should just, yeah, go be friendly. I know I should be friendly, but I just, I just, they're so sad. They're so down. They're so beat up. They're so whatever. What do you say to someone who says, I don't know if I can do that?
2: I would say we need to be our own heroes.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: No one's coming to save us. Mm. And it's, and it's, again, it's tough love, but I've been in that position myself. I went through a hell, hell, hell of journey back in 2009, 10, where I was just at the bottom, bottom, bottom pit of despair. And you know what I did? I went and I volunteered. Mm. I right. went and I volunteered. I gave. At my bottom, where I didn't where all I wanted to do was lay on the ground all day, stare into space, you know, and just just do nothing. I had nothing in me. I didn't eat. I wasn't drinking, you know, I was during I was drinking water, but I mean Bread tasted like cardboard. It was at the lowest low, and I went and signed up to volunteer somewhere.
1: Mm-hmm. We
2: have to be our own best friends, best caregivers, best advocates, best cheerleaders, and take care of ourselves in the most best way. We we just need to know that nobody's going to save us. Can you can you know, there's no us white that, night. There's no white what night. What
0: situation was like? what was Say it like again? that first time when you went to go inter, interview or volunteer? What was that like from the point of you laying there going, I can't do anything to, I'm going to volunteer to when you actually went, what, what, what was
2: that like for you? Okay. So I'm really trying to remember that drop on that space. And I know the drive down there, it was like, I, I was a very much a nervous, anxious wreck during this time in my life. So that it, it felt like such a chore. Like I just got to get there and I got to get this done. But once I got in it, and I was watching every, we were filling bags to uh, to feed. It was called Feed My Hungry Children, Feed My Starving Children, I think. And we were filling these bags with certain things, you know, and uh, like little measuring cups of some type of food or something. And I remember looking around this and looking at the joy of everybody else. It was a change of scenery. It was a change of environment. It was a change of energy. And just immersing myself in that and watching my children really happily scoop to save other kids' lives, the whole energy of, I left feeling so much fuller. So yeah, it's just like when people want to start to lose weight or they want to get physically healthy, they got to drag themselves at the gym. You know, we just, we have to be our own best friends. That's what we have to do.
1: Yeah. Yeah, And I would say too, uh, just I want to point out what Kristen said is so powerful that um, by being our own best friend, What did she do? She went and served somebody else. There's this really interesting dynamic going on here because there's a lot of talk today about self-love. But oftentimes what people say is, you know, you take the mask out of the plane and you give it to yourself before you give it to somebody else. But what they're really saying, if you listen really carefully, is keep the mask to yourself because you don't know if it's going to run out. (laughs) Maybe share a little bit, but keep it to yourself. But Kristen just illustrated in such a powerful, poignant, personal way. She didn't feel like doing anything. She felt like laying around and just life sucked, found enough energy to get up Mm. off the floor and to get to myself. Yes. Yes. So, Mm -hmm. so she gives herself permission, right? To do something for somebody else. So both dynamics are in play. She's caring for herself by caring for someone else. And, and then you heard the results. The results are, she sees the joy in her kids. She sees, she's making a difference in someone else's life. The energy changes and she walked away from that experience in a completely different mindset, a mind frame, than when she walked in. And uh, it reminds me of the Winston Churchill quote, when you're going through hell, keep going. Because if you stop, you're going to be in hell, right? If you're going through hell, keep going. And sometimes it's, it seems nearly impossible. Where am I going to get the energy but uh, Kristen also dropped this really powerful word in her conversation. She said, inertia. Inertia will keep you still if you're still. And it takes energy to get moving. But then inertia becomes your friend because once you're moving, inertia keeps you moving. And it's that that, that crux where you're doing nothing and you can't think of anything to do and you don't want to do anything. You just want to stay stuck. And if you don't move, you will stay stuck. Mm-hmm. But if you start moving, inertia which is holding you down changes its force. And now the force is on your side because you're in motion and That's it good. keeps you in motion. And it can be the simplest things just taking those small, simple, sustainable steps that can get the inertia on your side. Yes. sorry. I,
2: I just wanted to add, I just wrote here so that I would remember. I just wanted to add that whatever's happening in our situation, whatever place that we are in, in our life if we continue doing the things that we have always done, we're going to continue to get the same results. Right. So, if I'm laying around on laying around on the floor depressed, you know, it's the same thoughts, it's the same behaviors that are going to keep me in this in this same pattern, right? So, I wrote here, change it up. Try something different. I don't care what it is. I don't care if it, the first thing is is that you get dressed before you brush your teeth in the morning. Change up your pattern slowly, but surely bring in new information. Like me, I've never volunteered like that before. So by me going out and volunteering like that, I was changing it up. I was throwing a wrench in these massive grinding wheels of of depression and anxiety. I'm like, no, I'm doing something different. I'm going to change up my thinking. I'm going to change up the energy I'm in. I'm going to change up my environment. And we don't have to do it through just that. It could be walking in the park. It could be feeding ducks. It could be anything right okay. but change it up so coming back to the holiday situation here you don't like the way the holidays are going because of the way they have been in the past that's why there's something to do with the past that is contributing to your current moment right guess yeah. what you don't have to do anything the way it was done in the past you're in charge you get to change it up yeah. figure out a different way something that feels good and right and true for you and yours and start doing it <laughs> so good
1: Yeah. Oftentimes, hold on, Steve. I'll get right to you. But oftentimes I think, uh, I love this Jay Shetty quote. He says, we're afraid of what other people are going to think because we think we know what they're going to think about us. But he said, the truth is what we really fear is what we think other people are going to think. So Kristen's saying, hey, Start something new. Do a different tradition. Don't do it the same old way. But there's the voices in our head said, well, everybody expects that it will be this way or everybody expects that I will do all these things and the meal has to be perfect. I remember one of the early Christmases with when I was first got married. My wife's parents are coming for Christmas. And so she wants to bake these. I think it was cookies or bacon. I can't remember exactly what it was. But in the flurry of things, it got left in the oven too long, missed the timer, gets burned to a crisp. Open up the oven, smoke's pouring out. Oh, boy. She pulls out the the tray. And it's, I mean, it's like hardened, charred, nasty. You you couldn't even tell what it was. And she's frustrated. So she throws the pan down and they just shatter. Kapoof! And in that moment, we could have just thrown the whole towel in, but it was hilarious. So we just bust up laughing. Like she, She just made... Made the cookies all over the kitchen. Like They were so crispy, so hard, so burnt that when the pan hits the counter... It was like confetti? Poof, like confetti. (laughs) I just like poof. And so we're covered in in black charred cookie dust. (laughs) And suddenly we just realized how absolutely absurd and hilarious it was. And it There's took all that, history. all that angst and expectation it has to be perfect. It's got to go this way. And, oh, dang it. Dang it. Boom. Tish, and okay. All right. It's just cookies and it's hilarious. And, and that's, I think that that's just a, a poignant illustration for my own life that says, we have these expectations about what we think people expect us to do, what we think people expect us to say. That's really the expectations we're putting on ourselves. And Kristen and Steve and I are, are saying, give yourself the permission to do something different. Yes, people might say, but what about? But say, hey, we're starting a new tradition. We're trying something different. And most of the time, people just go with the flow because nothing ever goes expected as expected anyway. Right? Steve, Yeah. Humor is such a gift,
0: right? When when those moments happen, if you can learn to laugh at that, humor is really, I don't know if it's God trying to get our attention, or life trying to get our attention. But when you're going through the difficult stuff, man, when something happens and you start laughing, it takes you out of that zone. It takes you out of that moment. Laughter that fast can turn the most negative into a very positive situation. That's another thing that that you know we can do when we're really struggling is watch a funny movie, watch a comedian, watch a but laughter changes a lot of our, you know, inside it changes our chemistry in a lot of ways. And I think when our body hears our mouth laughing, it does something as well. I, I had a friend that that she was told by her therapist to do this and I absolutely love this concept. Uh, but she was going through a very, very difficult time. And what she would do is Ha- she, uh, every day she'd go home. She she Her trip, halfway, she'd go up. The, and it was quite symbolic. At a halfway point, there was a high point. That was a halfway. She was going up a hill halfway, down the hill the other halfway. And she gave herself that first half of her trip home to just vent, to just feel. Like if you're on the floor, like Kristen was, you say, I just can't get up. I can't do this. Well, okay. If just do it worked, we would all be... On the one one (laughs) hand, if we just do it work, we'd all be skinny, right? We'd all be in shape because you can't just do it. Yeah, we'd all be rich. Sometimes to get there, you got to be like, okay, I'm going to give myself five minutes. I'm going to walk around the block and I'm going to feel this grief. Because when you grieve somebody, um, even when you grieve yourself, you legitimize the love of that person. You legitimize the life of that person. And so she would allow herself halfway home to let it out. But every time she would turn it off, Every time at that one street, at that top of that hill, she would turn it off and say, now I'm going to start to look at something else. I'm going to, you know, we talk about one of our credos in Happy Life Studios is look, listen and remember. And if what the thing, if what you're looking at isn't causing happiness, if what you're listening to is causing anxiety, if what you're thinking about is causing fear or hatred or anger, then look at something else. Listen to something else. Think about something else. And so I like that whole idea of if you're going to grieve, then grieve. Give yourself a half hour. Give yourself 10 minutes and say, I'm going I'm to go on this trip and I'm going to, I'm going to feel, I'm just going to let all that I'm going to get. I get in the car and I just guttural scream. Ah, ah. I mean, you know, I yeah. let it all out. But right. every time I'm telling you, every time after I let it out, something happens to me. It's like, and I don't want to get gross here, but it's like when you get nauseous, it's because you have bile in your stomach that has to be expelled from your system. And yeah. nobody wants to do that. And my, my son, you know, he. When he ever got sick, I'd always be in the bathroom rubbing his back. When he's over the toilet, just saying, "Son, it's only gonna be a minute. You're gonna feel better in a minute." It's Mm -hmm. that meant so much to him. But if I go to try and and take some nice, beautiful Mountain Dew, right when I'm feeling (laughs) sick to my stomach, it's just gonna turn into more bile. But when I when I puke that out, right now I can take in more stuff, and it's not corrupted. So. Give yourself some time to grieve, but give yourself some time and give yourself a stop time. If you don't give yourself a stop time, you're never going to get off the floor. You're never going to stop doing that. But at some point, say at this time of the day or or whatever, I am going to focus on what I've got going for me. I'm going to focus on the fact that I can move my fingers. I can focus on the fact that I can think. I'm going to focus on the fact that there's people out there that I can help and whatever the case may be.
2: I want to add that you rubbing your son's back and saying, it's only going to be another minute. Or in a minute you're gonna feel better. The holidays are temporary. Yes. This is just a little moment in time. And we know how fast time flies. Man. Right? So good. Yeah. Just be willing to say to yourself, because this is, you know, I'm the self-love junkie. I'm about, I'm about giving ourselves those things that we wish that we could be getting from somebody else. Yes. Right. And when you say to yourself, this is gonna be over soon. This is this might suck right now. It's okay. This is going to pass. Everything passes. And those are things that I remind myself of, like, this is just right now. This is not forever. And that that releases something inside of us. That gives us permission. Like, okay, I can see that there's light at the other end of the tunnel. Because sometimes we're in the midst of something that's so dark and heavy like that, we don't feel like it's ever going to end. We feel like it's going to go on and on. But when you tell yourself, there is a stop time to this. So there's, you know, have a stop time for grieving, have a stop time, but have a stop time for this. And you can make that stop time right now. Believe it or not, people, you can refuse to even celebrate the holidays if they're bothering you. You don't have to do anything holiday-ish. Go figure something out. I know people, you know, I did hair for 30 years, talked to hundreds and hundreds of people over 30 years. Like, oh, we don't celebrate the holidays. We go to Italy, you know, or we go here, we go there, we go the other place. (laughs) They found a way to make it, what is meaningful to them because they didn't like the whole rat race of it anymore. So don't be afraid to be creative. This is your life and you get to do with it what you want to do with
0: it. Right. And yep. don't be afraid to find somebody else who's got their head over the toilet figuratively and rub their back because right. you're not the only one that, if you hate the holidays, that's okay. But you're not the only one that does. You're not the only one yeah, that's struggling. You want to be able to have that angst inside that needs to come out. Well, be the person that rubs their back and watch what happens
1: you know, for you. There's a so. phrase that comes to mind while you're guys talking about that. And that is that we are as sick as our secrets. And you guys are mm-hmm. talking about, let it out. If they're, if you're feeling the angst and the depression and the negative feelings, the worst thing we can do is to hold them in because that keeps us sick. We are as sick as our secrets. As Steve just said, it's our secrets, Sick reads? I think it's that's sick, right. I spelled it wrong. I, <laughs> I was
2: wondering what that was, and I'm like, oh, I get do. it.
1: Let me do a secret sick
0: right. I know you got it that. right away.
2: I'm like, yeah, what's the- a secret? And i like, is that a <laughs> is that a meerkat? Uh, uh, you just th- take
1: some antibiotics, and you'll be fine. That's the trending gift. Eh, if you can get your sick reads, uh before Every they, set, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. A lot of people whose sick levels are way off,
0: <laughs> but they are our sick secrets are are off. It's not a candy we should be taking, right?
1: We're mm-hmm. we're. As What did you say? Only as sick as well, our secrets? Yeah, well, some people say, and I've heard it said, we're only as sick as our secrets. And I would say, you could take the word only out of there. We are as sick as our secrets. Because our, our secrets, if you keep the, the stuff inside and you don't validate that you are feeling a certain way and let it out, then it just gets worse, right? It just it gets sick. It gets sicker. And that's, as Steve said, you, you have to get it out. And sometimes... Um, you can get out out yourself, and sometimes it's not it 's not cowardly to ask for help right, right. and right. I think one of the one of the things that um, doesn 't help any of us is when we don 't ask for help we 're saying nobody 's around, nobody cares, but we're we 're not even vocalizing that we need help and how ha- How are anybody else going to read our minds and so as kristen said there 's not necessarily someone coming to the rescue. But I've heard it said, I think it was Brenda Burchard said, oftentimes people aren't coming for the rescue because they didn't even know that you're stranded. He said, so don't be afraid to get out on your metaphorical beach and put all the rocks and put the giant sign that says help so that when someone flies by, they know that you're stranded. In fact,
0: that takes it takes more courage to do that than to hold it in. It's easy. It's wimpy. It's it's the opposite of courage to hold all those in the secrets. But to let those secrets out and say, I'm struggling, that's bravery right there.
1: Yeah.
2: Kristen? Oh, 100%. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And also, I was thinking of this point, too, is that sometimes people will take – first, let me say this. I know somebody that didn't want to go to a particular restaurant because this person didn't want to ask for the aioli to be removed from the hamburger. Wow! so the entire restaurant was tainted for this person because they didn't want to speak up and say hey no aioli or something like that right see what i'm saying i don't want to go there i don't like that place and upon further investigation because that's what i do i discovered that's why the person didn't want to speak up so let's let's talk about that you know throughout the whole restaurant just because of the fact there was aioli on a burger And I feel like some people might unconsciously, again, because I'm all about the innocence of the human being. We don't know what we're doing until we know what we're doing. Okay. But I feel like a lot of people might be throwing out the whole holiday season. Like you just don't like the season for one reason. Maybe they don't have a lot of money to spend. Maybe they just don't want to see creepy Uncle Jack. Maybe um, somebody passed away during that time you know, whatever, or they don't have a a boyfriend or girlfriend. That's the huge thing for people. If they don't have a significant other, they're like, they don't want the holidays. So instead of throwing about the whole, the whole thing, I think it's super helpful to identify that one thing, that one thing, the aioli that you don't like and be willing to work on that rather than throwing out the whole thing. So you're like, if it's uncle Jack, that's creepy to you, then how about steer clear of the function that that you have with uncle jack but again people feeling like they should or they yeah. have to Great. you know talk to someone in your family and say you know hey i don't really like uncle jack i'm not sure how to handle this maybe you know someone that you feel safe and will help you solve this problem and and they could say something like just say you got strep throat and you're not coming tonight you know what i mean or right. something or or he leaves early come later you know there's ways to work around these things. So don't throw out the whole holiday season because there's one aspect of it that's, that you're struggling with.
0: So figure, yeah. take some time and figure out what it is that, that really makes the holidays a humbug for you, right?
2: Yeah. Thinking? Find the thing and work on that thing. Like find a solution. I'm a solution-seeking seeking mofo. I say it all the time. If there's a problem, I'm going to find that answer. <laughs> yeah. And so to me, it's like, okay, if you don't like that, how are we going to deal with just that? Mm-hmm, Doesn't right. mean well the whole, because a lot of times people are literally like, you guys probably don't know this as a coach. I see this a lot. Like the whole thing is wrong yeah. because of this. Right. And yep. really you take away this and the, like the, the whole thing is great. So people are put a lot of focus on that one tiny aspect. And then once they remove that tiny X ex- aspect or figure out a way to heal it, whatever the story may be, everything opens up.
0: Do I talk about it when I do coaching with people is that, you know, this is a hand, but when you're in the middle of it, this, this feels like it's the worst, but when it's here, all you see is, is dark. All you see is, and you need someone to go, you need to go with this. You're like, it's just a hand, but when it's right here, you can see nothing else. So we walk around and all we see is darkness. All we see is that it's just a hand when we pull it away from our perspective and don't make it all about, like you said, that one thing, if you just do this <laughs> see, but in right. real life, it's just, I'm flipping you off with my pinky. In real life, it's just a pinky. It's
1: just a pinky, right? So, <laughs> so here, I'm gonna give the, the double. <laughs> you, guys, you guys know how the word thing works in my brain sometimes. And as you're describing the aioli on the burger, I'm thinking, <laughs> who's the a holy in my holidays, right? So <laughs> oh. I say, discover. Who's who's the a holy right that's that's ruining your holidays and avoid them or or make you know make it a joke make it a game gamify it yes somehow, right because if you can gamify it maybe you're the only one who knows what the game is but inside your head you've got this running game joke thing going Love on inside yes. and you realize you know, yeah, there, there is an aioli in my holidays. And, and that's that little piece on the burger that I don't like. I, I remember when my, my brother went to a restaurant for the first time, they served the, the hamburger and the fries and a little piece of parsley. And he breaks into tears. Ah, There's a tree on my plate. <laughs> right. And we take that little piece of parsley, like you said, and we, and we say, well, that's it. I can't eat. No, just realize there's an aioli. There's an aioli in your life. Just make fun of it in your hi- in your head. Say, yeah, you're you're the aioli. You don't say it out loud. It's probably best if you don't. But just keep keep that little joy inside your in your life to say, the parsley on my plate, but I'm still going to eat. Yes, Kristen.
2: I gotta just add to that because you know it guess it's hard if you're in a function that's for people. Right. To get away from somebody. But a lot of times in holiday functions it's quite a few people, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's okay. I'm giving you permission to say, "Oh, hi Uncle Jack. Good to see you." Oh, what? Oh my god, someone needs me. And off you go. Right. Yeah. You think I've not done that? Oh, I have said my little hellos and done my little things and then I steered clear yeah. of a holy. Right? You know, I have an a- I'm thinking of one. I have one because <laughs> everybody else was fine, but there's one a holy that I was like, right. bro is not going to get any of my time or attention and I would be cordial and then I would leave and remove myself." So you are not stuck. You are not trapped. And if people are telling you that you are and that this is your job, they are not your boss. They are not the boss of you. You are a grown ass human. You're a grown ass adult. And you get to decide. And I know that's hard. And I know that it's like, but I don't want to rock the boat or be the one or be this or that. I've rocked the boat before. I'm the one who did do it. And guess what happened? Other people are like, wow, I wish I could do that. Totally. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for, you know, so we're not going to be, here's another thing I like to say to people that might make people feel a little bit more comforted is that if you're having a yucky experience of an individual, I promise you, there's other people that are having that same yucky experience of that individual. Just no one's talking about it. So sometimes when you go, you know, so-and-so this, and they're like, Oh my God, you too. It's that whole me too movement. You know, that everybody feels so, And I'm not referring to the me too, me too, but you know, when someone feels what you're feeling, then you feel not quite alone. So be willing to open up and be vulnerable and be honest and truthful to someone that you feel safe with, right? Because we can't just be throwing around our honesty and then have somebody exploit it or hurt us or use it against us or tell other people, right? Find someone that you feel safe with and be willing to speak to that person and find find a solution. going to go back to that find a way to handle this situation
0: and be a solution for look look over your holiday parties and find those that are in an uncomfortable situation they're with uncle jack or you notice that one person they keep moving towards the door and the other person keeps moving with them right (laughs) and you notice that they've been talking to them for a long time man i feel bad for them go up there and and interrupt the conversation how are you guys doing hey You know, Kristen, can I talk to you for a second? I I need some help with, and be that person to help remove them from that situation. And then when you get them alone, say, was that a couple for you? They said, no, I was having a good time. Say, okay, you can go back. I just wanted to just in case, but be that for somebody else as well.
2: I was just going to say that have an exit strategy. Okay. You say to one of your loved ones, your brother, your sister, your kid, whoever, and just say, if you see me over there talking to so-and-so and you look at me and I go like this, you need me. Okay. Right. You know, I, this sounds, this might sound crazy to people. You're not, not hurting crazy. anybody's That's feelings. You are protecting yourself. Yeah. You are not hurting anybody's feelings because guess what person that you're sitting with? We're calling it an uncle Jack. I don't have an uncle Jack, you guys. So this uncle is Aoli. Mm-hmm. none of us do. We'll call it, or we call Aoli. him a holy, <laughs> but, um, but you know, having these exit strategies and plans are a way to, to still honor yourself without, disrupting and being that person that none of us want to be. But you know, you can do your due diligence or whatever and do what you need to do or or not because I'm all about don't do it if you don't want to do it. I mean, I had a person in my past that had done something pretty horrid to me. And I there was going to be a funeral and there's a bunch of emails going back and forth and this person's email was in there and I sent a private message, I'd never had their email and I said I said please And this person knows what they did. I said, um, please do not attempt to talk to me or my children at this funeral. And I just, boom, that's it. And the person wrote back. Okay. Right. Because I am like, "Mm -mm. this is a funeral. Everybody deserves to be there. And I'm not good with you. So I'm, I am the person that will be willing to say that with people who have really done me wrong. Like I can't do that, but I understand that people can't always do that. And there's a lot of dynamics at play here. And I'm never one to say what you have to do. That's why I feel like we're here giving lots of ideas, lots of creativeness, because you'll figure it out. You're smart. You're going to figure it out. And you got smart people on your team and you got smart people that love you. And together you guys can figure out how to handle the red, white and blahs and turn it into the red, white and Yays. <laughs>
1: right. Yeah. But one of the things uh, that has popped up in this conversation all along, the theme for me, is focus, right? Because it's very easy to get trapped and seduced by focusing on the aioli or the parsley on the plate, the aioli in the room, the whatever thing it is about the holidays that just makes you mad or makes you angry yeah. or makes you depressed. The yeah. thing is as we've talked about many times in this podcast over the, over the years is that you create the world that you pay attention to. So when your focus is on what you don't like, what you don't want, what you wish was different, you've actually yep. created for yourself a miserable holiday. Yep. And, and this is a little bit of tough love as well. And, and so just want to make it clear. I'm talking to me as much as I'm talking to anybody else is that when I realize that my holidays are tanking inside Generally, it's because of what I'm focusing on. I'm focusing on what I wish was different, what I wish was better, what I wish wasn't happening, who I wish wasn't there. And I've actually got all of my energy and my attention on what I don't want. Well, here's the deal. What you appreciate, which is what you're giving your time, what you pay attention to, Steve and I talked about, when you pay attention, you've actually exchanged something of value and you get something in return. So now I own, what am I paying attention to? So if I'm paying attention to something... I better pay attention to what I love, what I'm happy about, what I'm grateful for, what I'm so thankful for. The, the, the littlest joys from the fact that I am breathing, that, that I get to have another holiday rather than being underground or in heaven somewhere, right? There's a lot of things that I can with with just a little bit of mindfulness, a little bit of attention to say, you know what? The reason I'm tanking right now is because I'm focused on what I don't want. And so I'm getting more of that. So why not... Change that. Change the narrative. What is it that I am grateful for? What is it that I am thankful for? And start to be realize that if I change my focus, I change my world. I change my holidays just by what I'm paying attention to. Because what you pay attention to, you own. You own. So Amen. You don't, like <laughs>
0: don't buy that if you don't like. Don't pay attention. Don't if you it. don't like anxiety, then stop buying it and putting it in your in, the, in Coffee. Your home. Coffee. Have you guys ever heard of um, the story of Silent Night, how it was written? Well, tell, tell everybody. It's such tell a now. great story, and I think it fits right perfectly with what we're talking about here. Uh, it was written, and they even built a chapel for it now, but back in 1818, the Napoleonic Wars had just finished. Uh, everyone was not in a good state. It's this small little village. There was about 3,000 people at the time in Obendorf, Austria, right? This little village amidst all these mountains in the snow, right? And there's this little chapel down there in that in that village. All these mountains around you, right? And I just picture all these people coming out in the 1800s because they're going to celebrate the Christ Mass. at midnight. They get together, and they've got an organ in that church, and back in the day, you know, with the the Christmas carols and the hymns, and the organ would play, and it would be the show like we do in churches today. We bring in the camels and the donkeys and that, right? Right? We go to Who's Flying show because it's right. Christmas. It's huge, right? right. So. That's what they did. They all would go to this chapel where Joseph Moore was the pastor. And they would go to this chapel to celebrate their Christ mass at midnight. And the organ was the deal, right? But when Joseph Moore went there that night, that day, he went to the chapel to get everything set up for that evening for the, the big, probably the biggest service of, of the whole year. Right. And he finds the organ is broken. The organ will not work. In fact, uh, they say that a mouse got into the bellows of the organ and chewed a oh, hole no. in the bellows. And the bellows, is, it's, it's what gives life to the organ. It's its what pumps air through those tubes that okay. makes – I could just imagine that chapel when the bells are ringing at the top of the chapel, how that organ would fill the entire – because you got mountains all around you. I mean, I could yeah. – the scenery just has to be fantastic. And now some stupid mouse – Got in there and wrecked Christmas. Some stupid little three inch mouse wrecked Christmas for everybody in the entire village. That's what he was thinking, <laughs> right. right, right. And Joseph Moore is the pastor. Like, what am I going to do? I don't have the organ, you know. So he took a poem that he writ- wrote and written, wrote, <laughs> whatever one of those. He took a poem that he had created two years prior, 1816, and it was Silent Night. And he called his music pastor, so to speak, the guy that was in charge, that played the organ, that was in charge of the choir, said, our organs broke. Can you write me the a melody to this poem that I wrote? And it was Silent Night, one of the most popular, powerful, Christmassy songs of the season. I can hardly hear someone sing Silent Night, even if they're off key and they're terrible, without being moved inside. There's something about... It's beautiful. It is. And it, fits, it fits today too because Christmas is full of so much noise and so much visual audio noise. I mean, it's everything is big, 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 like that organ, right? And yet, when we have those moments of that silence at the end of the Christmas story, we talked about, you know, those moments of silence. And I imagine when everyone gets in there and they're expecting this pomp and circumstance, and they're expecting this organ to fill, they're expecting all this noise, right? And instead, Joseph Gruber gets up there, or Franz Gruber, sorry. Franz Gruber gets up there with his guitar. He starts singing about a silent night. Very cool. You know, and so there's mice that try to eat at our bellows. They try to get at the life of us. And it happens to all of us. And some of us, you feel like it's not even a a mouse. It's like a Tyrannosaurus Rex that's been eating at your insides. That happens. We get it, right? But if you can work through that, if you can adapt to that, if you can change your focus... Pay attention not to the fact that the organ is broken, but pay attention to what do I have. Yes. Instead of instead of Kristen paying attention to that tsunami that she was in, paying attention to the floor that she's laying on, she decided to pay attention to people that needed help, and and it turned it into something beautiful that actually turned her life around. So all I'm trying to say with that is this: is that sometimes something comes in and eats away at the life of us takes away the organ, takes away the, the main organ that makes us live, that makes us thrive, that makes us celebrate, and it happens. But that doesn't mean Christmas has to be sacrificed. It doesn't mean your happy has to be sacrificed. It doesn't mean that your merry has to be sacrificed. It doesn't mean you have to turn your happy and trade it for a humbug. It doesn't mean that at all. It simply means what do you have? Pay attention to that. Focus on what you do have, not on what you don't have.
1: Wow. Woo! All right, yeah. let's, pass the, let's pass the offering plate. That was a beautiful <laughs> Christmas sermon right there. Uh, I just want to thank everybody who's uh, spent any time in this conversation listening. Uh, your time and your attention are extremely valuable, and it, it's always our intention—the three of us—as I try to change the uh, sign here. Yeah, it's attention. Uh, it's always the attention of the intention of the three of us that any time you spent with us will be helpful. To you. And so again, we have thrown out a ton of Christmas hacks, right? On how to look at things a little bit differently. And the truth is, it looks looking at it a little differently can actually change the way it looks. Because who was it? I think of Wayne Dyer. When you change the way you look at things the things you look at change. Yes. Right. It's a matter of perspective. When you change the way you look at things, the way you look at the the things you look at change. And so, so I I would hope for those that have tuned in for a little bit or for the whole thing, thank you so much for being here. Your presence means a ton to us. The best present of all is your presence. And it, it is our, our hope, our collective hope between the three of us that, that you will allow yourself, give yourself permission to look at things a little bit differently. And, and maybe there's a mouse in your organ, and it's a his little name is Aeoli, and he's chewing, <laughs> chewing Uncle, it. A-O- A-O-L-E. Uncle A-O-L-E. and he's chewing chewing at what you think is the way Christmas should be. But it turns out sometimes the best part of Christmas is just the, the silence, the silent night. And in fact, I, I do want to leave everybody with this: that in all the hustle and the bustle and the glitz and the glitter and the glam and the songs and the presents and all the crazy awesomeness that is Christmas give yourself moments maybe once a day twice a One day thing. a moment where you just step out of the noise said, and say what am I focusing on what's my perspective and does it need to change so I can change the blah into something wonderful right yeah you can you can do it we believe you can and we're here to help All right. we do so,
2: believe you much do. love everybody
1: Thank you so much for being here and may your holidays be merry and bright and happy. Happy is good. And happy is good. Peace out.